1: The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management.
2: Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. afternoon everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of women to watch here on wwdb talk 860 i am thrilled to be able to be in the studio after driving in and and wondering if i was going to make it um everyone knows we had a major storm here um not just in philadelphia on the whole east coast so i have some staff in here with me and we're going to get through the show um full disclosure, I'm, I'm battling a little bit of a cold, so I'm going to try to get through the hour um, without having to step out and uh, have a coughing break. But a um, couple of quick notes. One, if you're listening and you want to join in our conversation, we always love to hear from you. Uh You can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net so you can um, stay up to date on our lineup and all the great things that Women to Watch is doing. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Jesse and Doug at the warming store in Maniunk because I'm wearing my heated scarf today. The the engineers take very good care of the equipment and and have to keep it very cold in here. So um, my heated scarf is keeping me nice and toasty. Um, And it's a great store there in Manayunk if you're in the Philadelphia area. Uh, Today, we have um, two women. We have our uh, weekly contributor, Dr. Beth Dupree, Waiting in the Wings. She's uh, the vice president of Holy Redeemer Health System, a core sponsor of the show. She has her own practice, and she's founder of the Healing Consciousness Foundation. And also Waiting in the, the Wings is our very special guest today. Her name is Tracy Wilson Rossman. And Tracy is the chief marketing officer of Chariot Solutions, she is also founder of Tech Girls, an incredible organization in the Philadelphia area, uh, promoting young girls in technology, and she's also co-founder of the Women in Tech Summit. So we have a lot to talk about, and we're going to start with Dr. Dupree and, and catch up on her uh, work at the hospital and her practice and foundation. Beth, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Susan. How are you? I'm
2: good. I'm good. I'm struggling a little bit with this cold, but um, I have well, everything I-, I need here.
1: I got knocked out on Saturday. Not only did the blizzard hit, but I got, thank God, I got I had my 24-hour bug on the 24 hours where I couldn't leave the house, oh, which no. is really funny. Yeah. I um yeah, and and today got crazy because my partner has it, so she's out sick today. So I was supposed to be on jury duty, but oh. jury duty was canceled. They won't let you out of it. I believe me, I tried every which way but loose but the, I had to I had to report, but because the courts were closed today, I didn't have to go in there, so when I called my office this morning, they told me my youngest partner was sick, and she had a whole bunch of procedures and everything scheduled, which is why I'm going to talk to you and then love you and leave you, because I have to go keep working,
3: Yeah, but yeah. it's all
1: good, patients first, you know how life goes. That's right, that's but, right. I um I just, I just was thinking over the weekend what we really needed to talk about. I'm speaking to my department of OBGYNs, and I'm going to be speaking to our Innovative Wellness Alliance um, primary care physicians, because... This past six months has been really confusing for doctors, for women, for um, anybody who gets screened with mammography. I mean, I hear it at dinner parties. People say to me, well, when should I get my mammogram? Because I hear so many different things. So I figured if I'm going to be spending the time educating my colleagues that I should probably spend a few minutes educating our listeners because it really is confusing for women now to know when do you get your first mammogram? how often should you get your mammogram, what kind of mammogram should you get, and do you need the additional study. So that's going to be my goal in the next 10 minutes. Is that okay?
2: That sounds great because, I'm, you know, it's, it's the truth. It's very confusing. There's mixed messaging from all do fronts. You,
1: do you know how often women are supposed to get mammography?
2: <clears throat> well, my understanding is once a year.
1: Okay, so um, that was pretty much the standard up until about six months ago. Okay. Um the the initial changes began um in 2009 it's with the USPSTF which stands for United States Preventive Task Force. And the USPSTF came out with their recommendations um back in 2009 recommending a baseline at 50 and every other year from 50 to 70 um and and then over 70 to discuss it with your doctor. They recommended clinical breast exams annually for anybody, you know, that has breasts and then um, breast self-exam—they kind of pooh pooed and said you don't need to do it. Well, it was that recommendation that kind of popped me onto Michael Smerconish's show because um, I called in to discuss my feelings about it, and I discussed them so vigorously that I was invited to drive down the next day to be on his show. Oh, great, um, great! So th- that was the first—that was the first like the kind of zinger that went out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Since that time, there have been so many studies looking at screening, mm-hmm. why to, why not to. Um, And a lot of changes happened. In October, the American Cancer Society, which had been the same as the American College of Radiology, the same as the American College of um, Obstetrics and Gynecology, and also the American Society of Breast Surgeons, we had all believed you get a baseline at 40 annually thereafter until, you know, patients are old enough. If your life expectancy is not 10 years, then you stop. So if you're a debilitated 75 year old you don't keep getting mammograms but if you're a vivacious 75 year old like you and i are going to be we're going to continue (laughs) to get them right so what happened is in october the american cancer society changed their recommendations they changed to a baseline between 45 and 54 and then every two years until you get remain healthy which was a big change um and the the same thing in the american society of breast surgeons kind of peddled back and said well Uh, Consider screening women to 40, 40 to 45, and then get annual mammographies between 45 to 50, and then every other year after 55. And I'm going to be 55 this year, and I don't consider myself old. So, the ACR, the American uh, College of Radiology, and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they stayed the course. They say annually between the, you know, annually beginning um, at 40 and you know until you're healthy. So here's here's the real deal. The reason why these recommendations changed um, is because they said that you know they know they you know everyone agrees that women between the ages of 40 and 49 are at risk for getting breast cancer. They know that getting getting mammography does decrease the risk of dying of breast cancer in that age group, but there's this whole big thing about this emotional trauma of going through a benign breast biopsy, which I don't really buy that. You know I I don't believe that there is the risk of the radiation exposure, I do not believe that this psychological thing of of having, they call them false positive biopsies. But to me, a negative biopsy not having cancer isn't really a bad thing. It just means that your mammogram picks something up. We also know that people who have mammograms and get biopsies, that in the future they're, they're at higher risk because their breasts are proliferative. So I think we're kind of missing the boat here. And I think you and I have talked about this before, the incidence of breast cancer is um, thought to be increasing by about 50% by the year 2030. So 15 years from now, we're going to have an extra 140,000 breast cancer. So Mm. this, to me, is not the time to stop screening. That's right. So so, uh, other things women really need to know. Number one is, you know, I think what's going to happen is some insurance companies may stop paying for annual screenings. um, And that, to me, is really going to be bothersome. But I think... Women have to have a voice and we need to be proactive about this.
2: Well and how um, about the age as well, Beth? You know, we're just seeing so many young women. I, I always wonder should we even wait to forty to start screening?
1: Well, the problem the problem with doing mammography prior to forty you know, in some women that are high risk, we would start as early as 30 with women that have the BRCA gene or have other, have other you know, significant family histories. But the problem is when, when you're younger and your breasts are very proliferative, they're very dense, so mammography is not as diagnostic. Oh. So there is a reason for not doing it early. Okay. I never but knew that. Here, here's, yeah, here's the, here's the real deal. There's a, a process called tomosynthesis. We have this at Holy Redeem Women's Care in Southampton where I'm sitting right now, mm-hmm. called 3D tomosynthesis. And what it does is it allows us to see things better than we would be able to see with a two-dimensional mammography. The second thing is there's a thing called density in the breast, which is a, it's a classification. It's classified um, in groups of A, B, C, and D. C and D mean that your breasts are very dense, which means that there's a lot of fibrous elements and it decreases the ability of a mammography to pick things up. So if you're listening to this show and your mammogram report says that you are density C or D, you should also be getting a screening ultrasound called an automated whole breast ultrasound. Our ABUS machine, we have GE ABUS, which is a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful addition to our screening and what it does it allows us to screen dense breasted women whose cancers are often hidden within the density Mm -hmm. So women that are category c and d that are dense it can be ordered with your screening mammography it can be done at the same time we do it all the time here at our women's center and uh it's something that women need to know about and they need to be asking about it and this is why i need to educate our doctors as well
2: right can you send that information to me beth so i can put it out on our social media just so they can and women can ask for it
1: Absolutely. You okay. can post it on the website. I'll send you the whole thing because I wrote it Great. out very nicely for the doctors. Okay, good. And the other thing is, you know, I saw a woman right before Christmas, um, very smart, you know, a nurse, knows healthcare, knows her body, knows everything. She said her breast, breast just didn't feel right. She had a negative mammogram. Yes, it was dense. She had a negative ultrasound, did not see anything different. And when I saw her in the office, I knew it was cancer. I knew it was cancer because... Even though her imaging was completely negative, and this is what women need to know. If there's something with your breast that doesn't feel normal, it's changing, something's not right, and your imaging is negative, you still need to have an evaluation. You still have to go because there are some cancers that hide. Um, They're kind of insidious. A lot of them are invasive lobular cancers, so they're not found on imaging very easily. Um, And the other thing is nipple discharges. When you have fluid coming out of your nipple, whether it's bloody or clear if it comes out by itself. Those are all things that need evaluation. And to me, you know, I, I think we do a disservice um, to women when we don't educate them about this. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, I my goal is to get all of, you know, all of the doctors that work with us to understand how, you know, these guidelines are so confusing because some women will use any excuse not to get a mammogram. Right. And, you know, now we have to be careful because there are some health, programs and and plans that are, you know, your doctors are going to get dinged if they're ordering studies, you know, that aren't necessary. And to me, when the obstetrics and gynecology um, recommendations, the American Society of Breast Surgeons and the American College of Radiology are all recommending this just because two other organizations that are government-driven have changed their recommendations, we need to be careful about how we you know, when and how we stop imaging patients because early detection is our best defense and it's our it's our best ability to get cancer um, at a curable phase. So.
2: Okay. All right. Great I'm, update I'm and good box. advice. Yeah, I know, I know. I can hear it. That's it, all right. It's a good cause I, and I'm sure Tracy will agree. Um, so, definitely. Yeah, let's put that out. Um, just knowing that they should ask for this particular test alone um, is a great bit of information. So and let's the, start there
1: knowledge is power um, women have the ability to have all of this knowledge about their breasts about their health mm-hmm. and then they have the power to ask for the tests they want
2: that's right and
1: i think even insurance companies that may not be wanting to cover mammography annually when the patient goes in armed with the right information and i can't always get this if a patient pays for their insurance they're the ones with the power because they can walk with their feet and get a different insurance company i'm the doctor that's On the other end of the, on the other end of the receiving end. So the insurance companies aren't, aren't nearly as willing to jump for me.
2: Right. Right. Okay. It is what
1: it is. All right. Listen, you're going to have a great hour with Sue. (laughs) I'm sorry I'm not going to get to meet you more, but as Sue knows, patients come first. And, uh, today I'm pinch hitting, so I'm going to go pinch hit a little bit longer. Thanks, Beth.
2: All right. Take care. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Have a great show. Bye. Bye bye. Uh, so, let me just um, say again, who our special guest this afternoon is, I'm really thrilled to have her with us and, and talk all about women in technology and young girls. Her name is Tracy Wilson-Rossman. She is a Philadelphia girl, and she's chief marketing officer at Chariot Solutions, uh, founder of Tech Girls, and also co-founder of the Women in Tech Summit. Tracy, welcome to the show,
3: Good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm great. I'm great. I, You know, you and I connected quite a while ago, so I'm thrilled to, to finally have you on the show and get to pick your brain a little bit about the work that you do um, and also share your story, which is what Women To Watch is all about, find out what led you to uh, this field of technology and helping young women. Um, one of the things I read about in the information you sent to me was that when you were young you had absolutely no interest in technology so i um uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what kind of precipitated your interest in the industry
3: uh well the the funny thing is is that my dad um, was a programmer um his first job out of college even though he was an economics major he actually used to program um, on cards on punch cards and he um he, has, he was in technology, um, creating big systems for insurance companies uh, until he retired. Um, so it's just funny that um, I didn't get into tech until he was well out of tech. Uh, and he would come home and tell stories about, like, you know, there's going to be a PC in everybody's home and computers are going to talk, and we were like, what What are you talking
2: about? (laughs) Punch cards, kids don't know what punch
3: cards are. (laughs) So, um, But I do have to say that one of the things that he did, because I I was very interested in a career, even early on, no matter what it was, um, the women, he didn't work with a lot of women, um, but uh, one of his very good friends who he worked closely with, through the years, he made sure to bring home uh, so I get, would get to meet her and and have a representation of uh, a role model of somebody who was a, a woman who was uh, working outside the home. So it was, um, I always think about that, like how he was supportive in that way.
2: Yeah, that's a great example, always, you know, especially from dads, I think, for their daughters.
3: Um but getting, I, I was a retail management major. Um, I worked at Strawbridge and Clothier. I worked at QVC um, when it when it was pretty early on. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could say that's sort of being in tech at that point. But I mean, I didn't really look at it that way. Um, I went on to um, sell uh, direct mail advertising. Basically, became a, an entrepreneur in managing my own territory then uh, my husband and i bought a business um and ran i ran that for a while and i mean we used technology uh to run the business but it never really i never really thought about it as hey i'm using computer and this is tech this you know my my business is tech enabled just never really crossed my mind at that point Mm -hmm. um after we sold that business that's really when um my next job was working for a software company um, where I met uh, the current core team of um, Chariot Solutions, and that's when I really became a woman in tech. I was uh, selling and marketing the software product, um, and, you know, it was, it was a much different world than I had been used to previously.
2: Yeah, and what year was that, Tracy, that you first started um, with Chariot?
3: I've got to think back. Uh, Ninety-nine.
2: Oh, okay. So quite a while ago. Yep. I was. I wanted to talk with you just a few minutes about your years at Drexel, and you know, mm-hmm. um, of course, I think I mentioned to you my my son is there. He's a sophomore, and how much I believe in the co-op program, right? right? You know, that real-world learning. I think it's even more um, of an opportunity for young women to be able to be out you know, working in their field before they graduate. What were some of your co-ops when you were there?
3: So when I was there, I worked. uh, It was all about retail management. Um, I had worked at a company that – a a store that no longer exists, unfortunately, called Nandeskin. That was my first one. Oh, I remember that.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I haven't heard that in a long time.
3: Um, It was – I got to work with some beautiful clothing. Uh, Yeah. And then I worked at Starbuck's for the next, uh, three co-ops. Um, if I remember my math correctly on yeah. how many times we did this, <laughs> um, and then went directly to them. So, um, I worked in different departments. Um, the, the funny thing is, is I, I think we said, I told you this, but my, my older son is there. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, we, having hands on experience, um, whether they're boys or girls, young men, young women, is really important. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a definite plug for uh, my alma mater that um, really got hands-on experience, really good hands-on experience. And I know that my son had it's um, had, had two, uh, one internship and one co-op experience. It has, it's just been great. Um, and it allowed both of us to know, and also my husband is a Drexel grad, so we're sort of, um, you know, a a Drexel family, Um, just having that experience, um, letting you know that what you're thinking about going into, what you thought uh, about going into is actually what it really is.
2: That's right. And it's
3: okay, you know, and if it's not, if it doesn't match up, it's really okay to change.
2: That's right. Yeah, it's almost about learning what what you don't like. Than exactly. what you think you like. Uh, my son Christopher is actually working at SAP right now, so he's having just a tremendous experience um, and really getting to see uh, if the field he he wants to be in is is the right one for him. Right. Yeah. Right. Very important. It is. Tell me, um, Tracy. Was there what was the moment, if there was one, where you know you decided that we really needed to um, put together some type of organization resources educating for young girls um to go into the field of technology i know you know it's it's typically and we're always using you know a broad pay, you know painting with a broad brush when we say these kind of things but that you know most girls don't think it's cool to be in technology um was there an experience that you had that kind of precipitated your decision to start tech girls
3: um it's it's not like one particular thing, um, and it's certainly n- there was there was nothing bad that happened. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear to me, uh, to to you that um, that was like oh I've got to change this. Um, from the time that I had children, um, I think I became an even bigger advocate of supporting women in the workforce. So um, that's always been a passion. Um, I think that that's. Culturally, something that we that we need to think about, and even though it seems like we support women in the workplace uh, as, as a country, there's many things that we need to work on. Um, so I I just sort of move that along to understand that within technology. Remember, I was coming from a world between retail management and advertising sales, where it was pretty mixed of men and women and sometimes a little bit more on the female side. Um, and then I get plopped into this world and it's starkly different. And I didn't really understand. Um, technology, as I was um, beginning to learn, was really exciting. It was mentally challenging, um, at least uh, as we moved into from a software uh, product company to what became Chariot today. Um, and we're in consulting. We get to work with all different types of companies, and it's it's really exciting. It um, is, and, yes. And I get to work with some really incredibly smart people. So I wasn't getting why there weren't more women here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just – it wasn't um, – you know, no pun intended. It wasn't computing, um, and the women that I was meeting um, were more what I term periphery, and I don't mean that in in a negative way, but um, women who, like myself, were in sales, marketing, HR, um, a lot of the support roles, and not in the software development side, not in the uh, the, the true, very more technical side. Um, so. I was doing some research, a little bit here, a little bit there, asking people. Um, I also like to just sort of, as I sort of go back and think about how this became what it is, um, and why it became what it is. I realize that I've, I'm in a unique position. Um, I work with um, all these developers. I have an understanding of you know what drives them. Um, I also, we've been. Um, Less to have been early on in the open source software world. I don't, and if you're not familiar with open source, it's um, how a lot of uh, the change in the way that software is developed happened because there are a lot of uh, people who got together on different projects. I'm really simplifying this. Um, but they got together on these different projects outside of the um, You know, large companies, this was just something that they had a passion for. They wanted to fix a problem. And they got together and um, worked together and created these free tools and technologies that that, uh, developers could use. Um, And the way that they did this was just um, very, very different than the regular regimented way of developing software, um, and it and it's just changed the way that uh, the industry works now. Um, that that could be a whole different whole other show, Susan. Just about uh, how <laughs> open, and I appreciate uh, open software it. has yeah. <laughs> well, how open software has changed our culture even. Um, sure. So it, also understanding how to build community uh, was something that um, I was working on. That's part of the open source world as well as um, the community that we were beginning to build around the Philadelphia startup tech world. Mm -hmm. So I took all of those sort of mishmash of things and stuck them in a stew and um, was able to bring some folks along with me who I had met and developed relationships with and and I knew that they were interested. Um, And we started to really think about this problem, uh, why we weren't seeing more women in these roles. Um, and one of the things that we discovered early on, as we were talking to um, some folks at, at Drexel um, and different um, Compsci departments, was that there was an actual decline in the number of women and men who were entering, who were matriculating into comp sci programs. Um, and that was sort of curious to me because the salaries were good. It was pretty stable Uh, six or seven years ago. I know after the dot-com boom, there were a lot of layoffs, but things have very much changed. Um, And I started to think, well, if people aren't matriculating into college, something's happening in high school. And we were able to find two different studies that showed that um, girls were actually self-selecting in the tech careers around ninth grade. Um, And that was very curious to me. Why was it at that point? And these two studies basically had the same, they were five years apart, but it was the same sort of things that were driving girls away. Um, The image of uh, what a technologist looks like, or or scientists, the way that we treat smart girls and smart women in our society, how we don't always encourage them to pursue science, technology, engineering, and math careers. Um, and especially in technology, science has gotten a little bit better. Um, How um, parents and um, teachers are really unaware of the different careers that are available. Um, Now in technology, it's the way that we portray a tech career is really old school. It's not just sitting in front of a computer. That is part of it, but it's not all of it anymore. Um, Certainly not like what my dad was doing in uh, the early 60s with the punch cards, um, much, much different. And it's not always about um, boys in hoodies or young men in hoodies with, um, you know, earphones. Um, that's not always what it's like. Um, and we really needed to change the viewpoint. So uh, we put together sort of a, a, a plan um, of how we were going to attack this issue, Um and we, we modeled it on running a startup business. Um, so we're a little, we've got a group of people who have no uh, nonprofit experience and, and very little uh, education experience, and we came together to, put, to create this delivery model um, and this idea of understanding what was preventing um, middle school girls from really understanding what they were missing out on.
2: Well, and I think it's important what you said uh, about the fact that there are so many different parts to a technology profession. You know, it's um, developing software is different from coding, which is different from, um, you know, the... Game design. Yeah. Which
3: is different than e-textiles, which is different than... Exactly. ...database, which is different than robotics, which is different than... There you go. You know, it's endless, which is... And smartphones. And one of the things that's happened, especially since I've been involved in the in the tech arena is that if you look over the last 15 years from when I started um, at the first technology job, what has changed in the last 15 years? Cloud computing was not even a thing then. And now it's everybody has at least an idea that things are up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's another piece. And we don't know what's what's going to be in the next five to ten years things are going to continue to change
2: very quickly very Very quickly very quickly um tracy you know what we have to take a quick break for um our sponsors and when we come back i want to talk to you about why you think it is so important to mentor and guide the next generation of young girls we'll be right back Since 1858, Mount Saint Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount Saint Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215 215- Two three 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 one seven seven. That's msjacad. dot or two one five two three 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 one seven seven. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk eight sixty and Women to I'm joined this afternoon by Tracy Wilson Rossman, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Chariot Solutions, and she's also founder of Tech Girls. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you about um, why, you know, from a personal standpoint, why you think it's so important to mentor and guide the next generation of young girls. Um, I can certainly see, you know, some of the great things that are happening because we're having these conversations, and there's. So much awareness that uh, certainly we didn't have when I was growing up. But what what is it that you personally feel will make a difference in the world uh, when we do this?
3: You know, it's it has to do with getting more perspectives and diversity into the world of innovation, and that's you know we can talk about tech, but to me it's really about the innovation economy um, and having this perspective uh women uh, these girls look at issues from a different standpoint um again blanket statement
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't want to
3: generalize but i mean we've seen it time and time again so um some of our girls say you know when we ask what do you want to be when you grow up um what's your future career a lot of them don't say they want to be a software developer they'll say i want to be a vet but I understand now how technology can make me a better veterinarian. Mm. And and these are 12- and 13-year-olds. This is not like they're 17-, 18-, 19-year-olds. They're very aware about solving, issues, solving problems. They want to solve challenges. That's how they want to use technology. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we believe is if we give them the opportunity to explore Um, and do it in a way that works for them, Um, and we've we've spent a lot of time thinking about this and listening to them, that we're going to get better outcomes. Um, You know, personally, I just believe, if I go back to what I said earlier, um, supporting women in the workplace, giving women more opportunities to think about different ways that they can um, stay in the workplace if they choose to. Also, these careers, we, you know, we talk about the excitement and um, how creatively challenging they are and the type of people that you get to meet, but we don't talk about how much money they, you can make in these fields, and it's a lot. So allowing women to uh, work in fields that pay more money is also about economic freedom.
2: Well, and also, you know, because women have such a, I think, just a natural desire to solve problems, big problems, you know, Mm -hmm. world problems, if they're doing well economically, they're going to have opportunities to do that.
3: Yes, I agree. Um, The other thing um, that we'll continue to see within this type of field is, now, not all jobs have this, but there is a flexibility in terms of um, being able to work from home. Yes, um, we, you know, we run into a lot of um, software developers. This is just one example, um, who are um, they're freelancers and they work. Um, maybe they'll only work three months out of the year. They may take some time off. Um, if you're a good software developer, you will continually find. It's just one of those things. So there, there's some flexibility that can be built in um, that, you know, as we are in family, rearing years, um, women and men need some flexibility. So some of these jobs are, are good for that as well.
2: Yeah. And it's something to think about. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Um, Tracy, being in the technology industry yourself, I wondered if you – have some thoughts about something that you'd like to see as far as trends and what's coming around the corner. It seems to me there's something new every day. There's certainly a lot of things being worked on that we don't know anything about. Um, And then, you know, one day we wake up and look at the news and there's some, you know, uh, incredible new new tool um, that we can use both for professional and personal reasons. Is there something that you would like to see from a technology standpoint um, with respect to that?
3: Wow, that's a tough question, Susan. <laughs> um, My, I guess you know, I thought
2: that that's all you do is dream about the next you know, yeah. the next
3: tool. Well, we you know at Chariot, our our staff is able to help companies make some of those dreams happen mm-hmm. from the software development side. We definitely are seeing some interesting trends around um, home automation, um, some things that we hadn't thought about. Um, but, wow, that's a really tough one.
2: Well, we'll come back um, to you know, that. You <laughs> what, we're,
3: what we're seeing, I mean, honestly, some of the things that we're seeing are the use of data um, to help solve larger issues, using information that's already locked in your systems from a business standpoint um, to solve, to understand your customers better or to solve other issues. Um, that's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Um, understanding the algorithms and, um, you know, the, Interesting enough, there's some PhDs now who are becoming technologists, and that's not the, what, really what they went to school for. They're becoming these these data scientists, mm. um, and and we are seeing this convergence between hardware and software. Um, that's what we're we're hearing from our clients.
2: Yeah, it it is exciting. You know, as you said, I, it's something I certainly have become more interested in. Um, as, uh, you know, over the past couple of years since I've had this show um, and just kind of, you know, running my own business um, and having to do a lot of the technical uh, piece of it right. on my own, it so, really, it, no one told me. You know, I feel as if growing up no one said, you know, here's something you should think about. It really is very interesting. And there's a lot of creativity to it.
3: Exactly. Now, Susan, you're a technologist.
2: Well, I guess I am.
3: That is correct, because you're using technology um, to deliver the, the news. So
2: well, that's, techn- yeah. Journalists. Yes. Journalists. Journalists slash are technologists. I love that.
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's not, It's we have to think beyond just a software developer as a technologist. Yes. the the title needs to grow and there's within technology just like within marketing right now there's so many different flavors marketing just used to be, you know there there was a small track but now there's all social media um, and there's various things within social media various tools that you have to be expert in and there's your website and right. there's all these different ways of delivering your message that didn't exist six, seven years ago.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, um, what is your take on, in the news this morning, there was a big article about, you know, this the new shakeup at Twitter and um, over the weekend, and, and multiple executives were, were let go. Um, I, I wonder what it is, all of these different social media platforms, and they all are different and, and have different purposes. But, you know, when you think of a site like Twitter, what is it that they need to do to compete with Facebook or Instagram, um, what are your Even thoughts?
3: Personally, I mean, I don't, I don't, I have my own personal thoughts. They may not be what the business world wants, but when you carry down to it, they have to make money.
2: Yeah, there you go. So
3: it doesn't matter how big, how many users you have. It's a great platform. It's a great platform for getting the message out. But at the end of the day, how are they making money?
2: Right. So that's a yeah that's a big that's a big question and of course it it comes back to advertisers and sponsors and who wants to be visible on that platform, um, and how
3: you're able to allow if that's the way that you're going how are you um, allowing success for for those people and have repeat success for your advertisers yes um, so that there's a there's revenue coming into the people who've invested in your company it's it's just regular business that doesn't change.
2: Yeah. Tell me what it is. Uh, Chariot Solutions was recognized as one of the best places to work in Philadelphia. And I wondered, you know, wanted to give you a, a minute to talk about what it is that they do differently. Um, sure. Yeah.
3: The... Well, you just made my uh, my boss happy. <laughs> Good. I hope he or um, she is listening. <laughs> um, so when we were founded, um, we were moving from this this other company. And one of the things that we had taken this core group, um, and we really thought carefully about how we were forming the new company. And um, at that point, the way that we um, put our company together was much different than a lot of consulting firms on on the East Coast. We were really based more on what I term a West Coast model. I'm putting that in quotes. Um, It was the technologists were um, driving the business versus the salespeople. Um, and and that's a little bit different. Um, so our, our goal was to have the best of the best, um, creating um, the best software for our clients, um, and hiring these folks who, at that point, we were very early in the Java space. Um, these folks really may not have been interested in just staying in, one company for a short period of time working on a product. Or they wanted to learn, they wanted to grow, they wanted to explore. And we set it up for them in such a way that we're able to do that, that we we put together this group of technologists who um, are constantly learning and able to deliver the um, really uh, forward-thinking technology solutions for our clients Um, and we're allowing them to work together it's very interesting here we have some we have the smartest people that i've ever been able to work with it's great so you would think that having all of these really smart people there'd be all these really big egos Mm. Um, but there's not it's the type of person that we hire as well it's not just about can you do the technology it's also about the type of person that you are
2: yeah, that's, that's and, very important. Right, and how are you going to interact and work with the rest of the team?
3: Exactly, yeah. and I think that's really important. Um, so we have all of these um, people who could be the big fish in big ponds all working together, and um, one of the things around technology is that even though we're working in Java and these all, all these different open source technologies, um, each of the uh, – the technologists here, all the consultants here, have sort of an area of specialty that they like. So almost everyone is an expert in a different area, so everybody learns from each other and everyone can teach each other.
2: Yeah, that's that's the best way um, to be working. You know, we we use the term collaboration on the show all the time, and, uh, you know, it really is... Um, one of the most important elements of um, any company, business, whether small or large, that everyone is working together, continuing to want to learn and be the best. Uh, and as you said, lacking ego is, you know, is a great way to to be doing it in, um, you know, the best possible environment.
3: And um, if you uh, – let me one more comment on this. One of the things that's really important to us is how we hire um, it's not, like I said, it's not just about who can who can write the best code. it's also is this somebody that you want to work with so um, we we really don't work with outside recruiters. Um, our folks are the ones that actually do all of the interviewing, and even though it takes a longer time to find the right people, it's really the best thing to do because we you know we spend a lot of time figuring it out, but we also wind up having you know, a a really high retention rate and the long retention rate of of our folks.
2: Yeah, that's terrific, because then you have that loyalty. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's get back to the tech girls for for a few minutes. I wanted to find out what are the, you know, actionable things that you're doing with these young girls uh, that are members.
3: Sure. So um, what we're doing is, we um, we create these short interactive workshops, and we're getting um, IT professionals, and now we're also getting uh, folks who have the IT background, so they may be college students or high, high school students, mm-hmm. um, to teach. So um, when we first started, Tech Girls was putting on all of these events, and over the last uh, two years, we've been flipping the model a bit and getting – more people who are either part of a company or they're doing it on their own um, or they uh, just are raising their hands and saying they want to teach and they, they work with a group, um, like a group of Girl Scouts, um, and we, we're doing a little volunteer matching. But we're doing less of our own events and having more people do events on their own. So we're, we're giving our materials out for free. We created um, this program called Tech Shops in a Box, we have all these lesson plans, which are called tech shops, and we put them in a virtual box, um, which has an operations playbook. When you open the box, it gives you all the tools that you need to run your own um, tech shop.
2: That's very cool.
3: It is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're really proud of it. And yeah. over, we've been doing this for, uh, we're in our fifth year, mm-hmm. and we're really proud to say we have close to 30 uh, tech shops—they're uh, free to use. Um, That's one of the can... best
2: parts. That's
3: exactly—they're yeah. free. Uh-huh. Um, we've got to figure out our revenue model. We're working on that. Um, but over the last um, over the last year, we've increased the number of girls that we've been able to reach um, through this this delivery model, and we believe that this year, this school year, 2015-2016. Uh, we will work with double the amount of girls in one year than we have over the last four years.
2: That's fantastic.
3: It is fantastic. That, yeah. And we're not only working in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. because this is virtual, anybody can come in, uh, sign up, and get an idea of the type of materials we have. So we've, we've gone national, and we've also um, had tech shops in a box that have been run internationally.
2: That's that is terrific. And I'm I'm guessing any, you know, if, if one of our listeners has um, a daughter that that she feels would be interested if they go to techgirls.com they can get all it's the information.
3: techgirls.org
2: Oh, dot org. Yes, yes.
3: dot .org. org. Um so here so it, let's let's talk about who would come to our site. So right. if you volunteer, um, you would just go to run your own tech shop, um, sign up and we'll get you trained and help you figure out whether you wanna run your own tech shop or work with one of our organizations that come in. If you're an organization and you have 15, approximately 15 girls that you wanna have um, learn about different technology, um, go to run your own tech shop, sign up. Um, And if you're a parent, what you should do is um, sign up for our newsletter and we'll be sending out information um, and if you don't have a Tech Girls tech shop that's running in your area, sign up for Tech Shops in a Box, run your own Tech Shop in a Box, and we'll get you on the list. And maybe they have 15 friends or they have a, a company who would be willing to, um, to, to run one. So there's multiple ways of getting these materials taught and inspiring these girls. And one thing that I would like to say is um, what's our impact? So we did a survey. Uh, we did a survey two years ago. And we just did a, completed a survey last summer. And one of the questions we asked, are you more likely to consider a career in technology after attending one of our workshops? And um, we were at 70%, and now we're up to
2: 86%. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I wanted to ask you if you have any uh, and it might be too early, but a, a success story, perhaps, of of one of the girls that's gone through your program and um, you know is is doing some great things.
3: Well, we do. Um, we have we had a couple of girls who are a little bit older, but um, we have our first. Um, she's now a sophomore over at the Worcester Institute of Technology. Um, she. And her three sisters came, so we were working with girls who were 14 to 9 at the time when we first started with them. And we've been able to watch them grow up. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And her mom um, says that, you know, even though she was very, very directed to becoming an engineer, that without the support that we were able to give her, she probably would have fallen off track.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, that's one of the success stories that we like to talk about. Um, you know, we're getting girls who definitely are identifying as, as interested. So uh, one of the things that people ask us are you know, wouldn't they have gone on to have a tech career? And we, don't, we believe that there's so many drop-off points that stop them, derail them from continuing, that what we're doing is allowing them to meet other girls and create a support system and meet women and men who want to help them uh, along um, with their career choice um, and also give them the confidence to know that they they can do this.
2: Well, that was my very next question because I think it's so important what type of messaging that young girls are receiving and what is the language um, that we're using when we speak to them. And, and confidence and self-esteem is a huge part of the, you know, the puzzle for both young boys and, and girls, but young girls in particular, you know, we can say historically um, it's been something that often gets in the way of them pursuing what it is they want to do. I wanted to ask you what, you know, what is your messaging? What What is the language you use when you're talking to these young girls about the fact that they really can pursue any field they're interested in?
3: Um, Well, one of the things that we were very upfront with them, um, and I think one of the things that we say is, hey, sometimes um, when you're working with with code or other types of technologies, things don't go right. (laughs) Um, It's experimenting, and sometimes you fail and you have to try again, and when you try again, you learn something new, and that's part of the whole experience, and allowing these girls to understand that that's not a failure, but actually a success. Mm -hmm. Um, is a way of changing the mindset Um, also the way that we have structured our programs um, it's not a lot of talking it's a lot of doing
2: that's um, good and a lot of
3: exploration and that is what they told us that they wanted Um, so that that's really important um, that we're listening to our clients um, I know that sounds a little weird that these 13 year old 12-year-olds are our client, but they are, mm-hmm. and making sure that, you know, they like what we're putting out there. We're, the other thing that we're telling them is that technology, there's a variety of technology. So not only do we have um, uh, coding classes, but we also have uh, workshops that involve uh, 3D printing and hardware and game design and podcasting, like we're doing right now, uh, well, actually you're live streaming, um, and video casting, and um, you know, we have um, UX and UI, which is user design, where we don't even use a computer. Um, they're actually designing uh, a mobile app with pem- pencil and paper. So we're allowing them to see the options. And I think that that's really important, that there's choices and that there's various ways and sometimes they tie together and sometimes they don't. Um, collaboration. We have a, a week-long uh, technology entrepreneur boot camp that we've put together, um, which is now ready for prime time so other people can teach it. It's ex- it's extremely fascinating to see how these girls come together and create these uh, amazing product ideas. Uh, so. I think you can hear the passion in my voice around this. Yeah. Um, well, here's an idea. Messaging yeah. for us is really important.
2: Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, unfortunately, they get some horrific messaging, you know, that comes yep. from all different directions. But maybe, and maybe you're doing this already, but, you know, how about a platform where the young girls themselves go out and speak to the other young girls and tell them how much fun they're having and how cool it is, the work that they're doing?
3: Well, Susan, it's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> so we're, we're getting to a point now where some of our girls are older or we're getting girls in high school who, who are self-identifying and they want to do something, and there's no place for them to go. Mm-hmm. So we're allowing them to be um, teachers, to be instructors.
2: Good. Yeah. I think that, you know, young people so, talking to yes. young people is very yeah. effective.
3: But we're, we're allowing them to be the teacher. And I think that that's important because it increases their confidence because they learn, they're teaching what they know, which Mm -hmm. allows them to further learn what they're, that they're experts in. Um, And they're also role modeling for these, for the younger girls. And it's great. Um, We're just starting with this program. So, uh, you know, we're hoping to roll out the student uh, partnership for high schools and colleges, um, we're experimenting this spring, and we're rolling it out. So if anyone's interested, please sign up.
2: Good, good. Yeah, and yeah. keep me posted on that so I can, you know, share that information that, uh, and the updates. Um, I'm going to, of course, follow up and, and put all the information out there and links, but just so the listeners know, um, Tech Girls is, is T-E-C-H-G-I-R-L-Z, so it's not Correct. G-I-R-L-S in case they're looking for you. Um, and just, horrible. yeah, um, in, the, in the last minute or two that we have, Tracy, I first of all, I wanted to know you're involved in so many different things, and I, I commend you for that. I think um, how wonderful for you that you're working in a field that you are passionate about and you love and you're giving back at the same time. Do you have any other, you know, future goals or plans outside of what you're doing?
3: Um, Just keep figuring out how to take the, the passion that I have in my life and, and put it out there. And I've been very fortunate to meet all these great people um, who allow me to do what I do.
2: Good. That's great. Listen, I thank you so much for, for telling your story today and the good work that you're doing. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much, Susan, for your time today.
2: Thanks, Tracy. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Make sure you check out our website at womentowatch.net, and we'll be back next Monday.